Welcome to This Is Life. Uh, guys, I am sorry. There was not an episode last week. I had a really good reason. I, I had to unfortunately say goodbye to a longtime canine pal of mine. Her name was Isabella. I had for her for going on for 10 years. And uh, we just, my wife and I just kind of just noticed that life and age were taking its toll on Isabella. And Unfortunately, Bulldogs don't last that long anyway. Their average lifespan is 8 to 10, and she was on the getting to be up there on the high side of 10, and then just was starting to show. And Well, anyway, we just didn't want to have to have her suffer anymore, and so we had to make that really tough call to say goodbye. And So that's kind of where my mind was last week. I, I, I was very, very, very close to this dog, loved her probably more than a, any human should love an animal. I mean, she was literally beside me every single day at the office snoring if you listen closely to past episodes you can actually hear her wheezing and snoring in the background uh so she she was always there with me all the time and i'm gonna miss her dearly uh and i just wish it didn't have to be this way but it just that's just that there was another no other choice so because of that my mind just wasn't all there to be able to produce and put together any kind of podcast episode for last week so hope you i hope you forgive me i do apologize uh, I'm going to make up for it this week, however. This is going to be a really interesting uh, interview that I did with my friends Matt and Adam. We just got done going to a book release uh, event by Megan Phelps, and I'll let my introduction in the podcast episode do more most of the introduction. I'm not going to introduce something that I'm going to introduce again anyway. But she, just real quick, she was a uh, a part of a family here in town that you've probably heard of the Phelps group at Westboro Baptist Church that did a lot of protesting at military funerals, that kind of deal. Anyway, well, she had left the church and wrote a book about it. And so we went to this book release uh, and uh, we're just hearing her talk about it. And it was really interesting. So I hope that you are, in, hope this is engaging to you. hope you uh, enjoy the listening to us talk about what we gained and learned from that experience. I hope as everyone's had a great week. Uh, tonight's kind of a special occurrence and a, an event. Literally, uh, I have a couple friends with me. You guys know Matt, who's been with me before. And we have a new uh, friend and guest of the show. His name is Adam, longtime friend of mine. And being that we live in Topeka, Kansas, uh, we've had a unique experience here that honestly, most of the country weren't even aware of to probably about. A little over, you know, a decade ago, the last 10, 15 years, really ever since the Iraq war started up. And that would be the phenomenon that is the uh, Westboro Baptist Church and the Phelps family. So uh, most of you probably listening have heard of them or at least heard of them. Uh, maybe you've seen them on the on the television, on CNN, or maybe they've even protested funerals in your area for soldiers, or maybe they've protested at churches or concerts or whatever. That's pretty much what they do is they go and they have provocative signs that, you know, really make a lot of people mad. Of course, their biggest thing is, uh, pardon the word, but this is the, the signs where God hates fags, and that was even their website, for crying out loud. And it was just something that we as Topekans really, by the time that it hit national news and attention, we're like, yeah, we've been kind of dealing with this for quite a while. It's something that that they were birthed here in Topeka, and we're having these protests at our local park and other local churches, and even our, my own church was even a, a, a target at one time. Well, I say all these things to say that um, one of the um, – 
people, one of the daughters of the Phelps family. Her name is Megan Phelps Roper. She uh, basically uh, left the church, and 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 when I say left the church, I and mean, that's not just means she just stopped going. That means that her life through a series of events and just transitioned her entire way of thinking to where she could no longer be a part of this theology and this doctrines and the things that she grew up with and known and thought were truth and without were the way life is and how people wish to be treated. All of a sudden certain things happened to where she realized that, uh, not only was things not just immoral, but they weren't even biblical, a lot of the things that they were doing and teaching. And so, you know, fast forward about, I think, four or five years later, uh, she put together a book called Unfollow. And uh, the book was just released today at this recording. Uh, and and so my friends, my Matt and Adam and I got to go tonight to a reading and a discussion with Megan Phelps Roper. Uh, we even had the opportunity to have her sign our books at the end. Uh, and it was just a really intriguing personal viewpoint because it's really easy from the outside looking in, you know, just to be like angry or, you know, reactionary to some of the things that they say and do. And, 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 and you know, just, just, and that's the whole thing is that it's just like, I mean, they've had stories of people, you know, almost running them over or throwing, you know, cups out of them out of the window or yelling at them or cussing at them and all sorts of things, you know, and, and the truth of the matter is, is they're still humans. They're still people and God still loves them, you know, and, and so they may not believe that God loves everybody, but we, especially those of us who are Christians who understand the Bible and the gospels understand that God truly does love everybody. And, you know, one of the purposes of this show is to help us just to listen to other people's perspectives. And even especially, maybe even especially if we disagree. And I got to tell you, for the longest time, this was a family that was just a thorn in my side, in my brain, in my heart, in my spirit. You know, because I just saw just the pain that they were putting the city that I lived in. And I wanted to be a part of the solution rather than the problem. And, you know, uh, truthfully speaking, I never feel like I really did enough. You know, I, I look back when God was really pressing it on me and I, I kind of really kind of feel bad that I wasn't as bold. Um, however, God continues to do his work regardless of whether or not I or anybody else is going to step up. God still finds ways to make sure his, his, his path is known. And then it's really blessing to hear Megan and just her story. Uh, so we just kind of wanted to get together tonight and just kind of just talk about some feedback just to be, you know, how did tonight's challenge us? How did it, um, affect us and what were some things that were pointed out in the conversation and in the reading and in the meeting that kind of stuck out. So I guess uh, why don't you guys want to go first just to talk about something that in your um, you know thinking you know what was what was what were some of the parts of the night that stuck out to you the most and that you think would be interesting for the listener to hear about. Uh, well. <clears throat> This is Adam, by the way. Hey, uh, hi, Adam. Hello, everyone. Uh, my, to be honest, like when Sean had told me about that, uh, him and Matt were going, I was like, eh, okay. Uh, but uh, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot out of tonight. Um, so, so I ended up going just to have fun with the guys, you know. And I ended up getting a whole a lot out of it. Um, it's it was 
one of those nights where you don't expect a lot, but at the end, you you want to know more. Right. It kind of got it was a nice teaser, and I think that was kind of part of the purpose was. Now that you know, I don't think it was necessarily about buy my book, but I think it was more about this is a story that I'm interested in sharing other people, and I think that's a part of her healing as well. That's kind of what right. I got out of it. This is a part of her healing as well because I think she understands and realizes the implications and the consequences of the actions that her family did towards others, knowingly or unknowingly, and this is just kind of a part of her not of just her continued redemption. And that's, I mean, there was over 500 people in that room and for, 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 to, for there to be a Phelps family member in a room of Topeka, Kansas with 500 people, that's not something you would have thought 10 years ago, there could be any warmth, love or no, not at all. Yeah, any not kind at of all. positive experience. In fact, it would be completely opposite, but it, that's, there was, I saw hugs, I saw embraces, I saw people that were genuinely thankful for her story. Right. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, like you, you and Matt both went in with questions already in mind of what, what you would want to ask if you got the opportunity. I, like I said, I didn't go in with any kind of intentions of anything, but after leaving, I have so many more questions that I want to know. Right. Like what was the turning point that made her decision to leave? Right. Uh, basically, which is why, why did she leave? Um, uh, and then all these other questions about different experiences that she's had here in Topeka or from around the country. Do you think, I mean, I mean, obviously she's not here. Do you think it was hard for, did she, did she mention anything guys about it being difficult to come back to Topeka? I mean, I doubt she's probably even been here very many times since she left. So Eric, um, Eric McHenry was the moderator. He is a professor at Washburn um, in the English department, um, and he's been he, he gave a wonderful introduction for Megan. I think that we probably all can agree on that. Um, and he, he he gave her a wonderful introduction and explained that the first words that he probably said to her, he yelled out of a car, right? And that he never would have. Which I mean, we've all done. I mean, let's be real. We've all yelled things or said things or. You know, over a while, Topekans just kind of go, ah, there they are again, pshaw, right. and kind of ignore them. Um, but you know, they're you know, they're they're very good instigators, right? Despite them not doing anything, they're not yelling. No, they're not. They definitely provide know how to be provocative. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're they're definitely they're they're instigators and agitators, but they're doing it in the way that our democracy and the First Amendment is built on doing. Right, they have a message, and they're standing on a public sidewalk with a sign that says that message. Whether we believe it or agree with it or not, that's not the point. Um, they're not doing it in a way. They might be doing it in a way that's distasteful and possibly disrespectful with funerals and such. But they're not doing it in a way that's um, that is um, well. I mean, illegal. They're not doing it in a way that's harmful, aside from just words, right? Right. And um, she went into a little bit of that with the Supreme Court decision, which she read from the um, I think she read from Chapter five in the book. So remember that the Phelpses were sued and they went to the Supreme Court over this free speech issue. And um, Megan even has that in the book that uh, they won that case. The idea being that, you know, our democracy and our laws are built in such a way that, yeah, you might not like what somebody else has to say, but as long as they're saying it in a way that's not physically harmful, 
that they have that's just as much right to say it as you do. Um, as far as whether or not she comes back, she came back to Topeka and missed it, which was kind of the original question. Um, Eric did ask her that right off the bat, right? Because she's from here. She went to school here. She went to Washburn University. That's where she went to college, um, at least the beginning of. Um, and this, I mean, this is her hometown, right? She grew up here. Yeah, I find it interesting she said that when she's, even when she sees her other family members, but it just in general, she feels like she's trespassing. She used the word trespassing. Yeah, she felt like she their, was trespassing on their turf. The idea which, being that, well, this is your town because you've lived here and whatever. Why do you think that is? I mean, I guess it's hard to, I mean, put but I mean, think about that I mean, and i guess we'll find out more once we read it i understand that but i mean just what was my reaction to that was man can you imagine like just even going to the same town with you as your family and feeling like a trespasser i mean you're not welcome here right i mean like like in- but that also speaks to the 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 perceived power of the family right in the town and i was we know that's not true i've never met anybody from aside from her i don't think i've ever met anybody that yeah. is part of the phelps no. family or even westboro if i have i've never known it yeah. um you know aside from seeing them on the side with their pickets and having conversations with them in that context well, like i said i mean I, my like i told you but, guys my found out that my dental hygienist which i love she's incredible really really super nice we have great conversations she doesn't mind that i fall asleep in the dental chair while I'm getting my teeth worked on. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. I, I, dude, for me, going to the dentist is like a spa appointment. Like, I look for twice a year. I get to go and just relax and just let the, you know, let the, the hygienist let that plaque clean my just tooth. scrub off. <laughs> I did. I did. For some reason, I love it. <laughs> so I just sit there. I'm like, you know, so I, I doze off and she just sits there and keeps working on How it. How do you do? We're getting way off subject. How yeah. do you. How do you snooze off with your mouth open and I don't somebody know. Rachel, digging around thing. in there? I, I just, I do. I just, I think it's just some sort of Given how intimate that is, that, I, you know, especially in your face. I, I, I get it if you were getting your feet massaged I just, or I, even a back massage like that, that. I think that's know. just it. I enjoy the feeling. I enjoy, because I, I have, truth be, I'm 40 years old, never had a cavity, right? Right. So yeah, you're very, you're like the most fortunate set of teeth ever. Yes. So, yeah. and, and so within that, I just have the luxury of being able to get my teeth clean and it is not a big issue. In fact, it's very relaxing that on a separate issue, my dental hygienist is the wife of one of the elders in of Westboro, Westboro Baptist church, uh, not a Phelps member, but she, and I didn't know that until, okay. Cause I read her, her daughter had left the. The church, like, uh, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago, whatever, wrote a book about it and talks about her family, talks about her mom and dad, talks about her relationship and how that, you know, that separation was brutal for her to have to know that she'll never, ever see her mom and her sisters and her brother, dad again. And one day I'm just getting up from my spa dentist appointment and I look and I look at the <laughs> The card, and I had always thought, I mean, man, the lady looks like, so, she looks so familiar, and I could not place it. Why place does this it, lady yeah. look so familiar? And then when I saw the business card with her name on it, it, uh, it just all of a sudden, like, oh. And you would never, my point in saying is this, that you would never, like, the persona is, of, when you see Westboro Baptist Church, it's very angry and very volatile and very rageful and very angry and just very in your face. It's intense. I hate it's you, right. Intense. Yeah. And the lady, in reality, could not be more f- further from that. Uh, she's loving and kind and thoughtful and genuine, and she seems as happy to see me as I'm happy to be there. And just very, you know, I'm sure a lot of that's just, you know, the customer service experience, but I'm saying 
she's I, and I, I don't I don't go in there afraid of my soul getting damned to hell, you know, big, you know, in the dental chair. And I think that's the whole point that one of the reasons why Megan wrote this book is to show that as hard as it is to look uh, past the surface, that these are real people. These are real families. These are real people who have real emotions, real hearts, real experiences. And, you know, especially in today's day and age, it's so easy just to live on the surface and live with the perception of somebody and let that be the basis of your opinion of them rather than going beyond the surface and looking at the heart of the person like Jesus told us to do, you know, go beyond just the, the outward appearance because man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And that is so difficult for us to do, especially in this circumstances with this family, they make it very difficult because again, they are very provocative. They are very in your face trying to in, preach their quote-unquote gospel, which is completely opposite of what most Christians believe. And then you have the world, the people who are unbelievers, who already have a negative opinion of Christianity. This just heightens it even more and makes us all seem like we're all like that. You know, and so... Yeah, I'm interested to read. There's, there's, uh, you already mentioned the title. Obviously, the book's called Unfollow. But the part you didn't mention about the title, and I've got it right here because I want to make sure I got it right, um, the full title of the book is Unfollow, a memoir of loving and leaving the Westboro Baptist Church. And we were sitting in the front row because we got great seats and we're sitting there and we're kind of just um, shooting the breeze like everybody else in the room is a room of 500 people just chit chatting. We're waiting for things to start. And I looked at that and, you know, the phrase a memoir of loving and leaving the Westboro Baptist Church on the surface is oh, OK, great. But then I went, wait a minute. I know from my English class that I can take out the and and then the other verb and I can get a different sentence that's still grammatically correct because you could use either one. And so I looked at it and said, wait a minute, if I took that out, that's a memoir of loving the Westboro Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. But she's not a member anymore right. and she has left. And so I'm hoping and I'm, I'm hopeful that we're, I'll, I'll get to this when we get in there and I'm sure we'll do a reaction episode after we've all read the book and had a chance to reflect on it because some of these questions will probably be answered. I'm curious to see, like Adam had said, where that souring occurs mm -hmm. because she was raised into this, mm -hmm. right? She's, she said it during our talk. She said that, you know, she's, she is the granddaughter of Fred Phelps. Right. Okay. So her mother, um, help me out with the name. Um, Shirley. Shirley Phelps Roper. Right. Is the daughter of Fred. Right. So, Shirley was around when her father was being a champion of civil rights, which people right. don't really know, right? Right. right. Like you, yeah. you look at it on had, the surface. I had no idea. Yeah, you look at it on the surface and you go, wait a minute, Fred Phelps was given an honorary award from the NAACP for right. discrimination, being a discrimination advocate in Topeka and yeah. fighting discrimination. That's insane. Like right. how does how do the, how do these two things reconcile? And, and you would think that's a different Fred Phelps, but it's the same guy. Right. So Shirley was around during that stuff as well as the forming of the church. Mm -hmm. So there was a time in her life when she wasn't a member of Westboro Baptist because it didn't exist yet. Right. Megan was born on the picket line, essentially. Right. right. She's indoctrinated. And, that's, you know, and we've all seen it driving down the road. And you look at it and you just go, it's heartbreaking. These kids are holding these signs and I'm going to say something inappropriate that say God hates fags. Right. Or that says homosexuality is the devil or you know, all these things. Right. And there's a two year old kid out there that's barely old enough to stand. Right. That's holding one of these signs and your heart just breaks for them because you go, mm -hmm. I, they have no idea what they're doing. 
but that speaks to Megan's experience. She was indoctrinated into this at such a young age. And she mentioned that a little bit with her parents. And I don't know. She kind of hinted at it. I might be in the book. I don't want to ruin anything. But there was a question about abuse in the book. Mm -hmm. And she hinted upon that maybe she was abused. Yeah, but did you catch what was really interesting about that? Earlier in in her comments. And then she did say, well, I left when I was 27. And the last time I'd really been, like, beaten was when I was 18. And that was kind of an outlier. So by then, I'd kind of put it all in a mental box. And kind of locked it all away, but it was only after I left, right. and I was talking to my brother who had left years before me, which I did not know, that these things began to come flooding back. That that idea of just being able, you know, you're so, I don't want to say you're drinking the Kool-Aid, that's not really what I mean, but you're so indoctrinated in family and religion, and the two are so mixed, right? They're so interstitched in her life, that unfortunately, taking away one of them means you have to sacrifice the other, mm. right? Yeah. And and I, I'm trying to think in my own life. Like she said, she left when she was 27. I'm 28. I'm trying to think what it would be like if and and both of your families were part of the ministry here. I don't want to say founding members, but you were pretty much. I mean, you're obviously Sean. Your dad's the pastor, and mm-hmm. you're you know you're a preacher's kid. And Adam's Adam's family definitely was part of the church early on, and kind of what I would consider part of the elders and the original families, or whatever you want to say. And so I'm trying to think what would it be like like try to put that in your mind in your perspective if you just suddenly said i don't agree with anything we stand for anymore and i'm leaving well i think i, I can put that in perspective for you uh you know for, for example i mean again this, this is a similar but different all right you were growing up that we all have things that we grew up with that was just a we we do even now or we believe now because it's just what we've always known you know for, for a good example uh, Matt, you like the Red Sox. Very much. That so. was something that was something that was passed on to you by your own father, mm-hmm. right? And was passed on by his family, and and that kind of deal is something that's traditionally generationally just been a part of your family, and you're yeah, planning it's just, on it's just cooked in there, it's right? Just, you're planning on raising your own child, you know, you know to hopefully like the Red Sox one day. But can my you son know? will have a lot of choices in his life. His <laughs> baseball team will not be one of them. Well, that's what, that's what that's kind of what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, it will. No, it will not. I want you to imagine all of a sudden at 28, you realize the error of your ways, quote unquote, and you are now going to be a diehard Yankees fan. Yeah, but the difference is, is that my family doesn't run around proclaiming how the Red Sox are better than any other team in baseball. But I, but, but my, my, we, but we, we would like to believe that, and right. we cheer them on but and my, everything. But, but the difference is, 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 that, is that, that I don't worship the Red Sox as a deity. So it's the same but different. That's why. That's what I was getting. At. I'm just saying. That my point is, in, in saying that is, is that something that you've known and taught and believed and, and expressed and you're a part of your identity for all of your life. Sure. And then all of a sudden, you just something changes your mind. And, you know, does you married? You know, Destiny. Destiny has to be a really big Yankees fan or whatever. Right. And she's you know now shown you that side, and you've been convinced now that everything you grew growing up wasn't who was wrong. you, you yeah, really was, wanted to be. It was wrong, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I don't even necessarily think it's wrong, but I, I think she... she well, she kind of tiptoed around that, and I don't yeah. know if that was for, for like, hey, buy the book and read for yourself, which obviously it's a book launch. The book came out today. Mm-hmm. We bought copies at the table today. She signed them, and she chose Topeka for a book launch because people here understand this on a level yeah. that most of America does It was good to hear her say that the community's really embraced her. Right. Which that yeah. that because it, it could have gone the opposite oh, way. Oh, very much so. Yeah, we like, could have been the only ones in that room. Right. And instead, it, there were five hundred people there. And and, I, and I, you guys had to get tickets on a wait list. Very much so. You know, so so I think that, that we're going back to what she said about about how 
you know, it was acknowledged to her to remember from her older brother who had left many years prior that they were abused as a child. Did you notice, though, however, with like within like just a few sentences later, she's going on and on about the loving kindness of her parents? Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I think that's just a But how weird... much of that Stockholm Syndrome? Right. I get that. I, the I, idea I, being that this is the only way you've ever lived. Right. You know, and we, we've seen that. I, I, I think it trashes the good name of Stockholm, Sweden. I don't know about <laughs> Stockholm. I've never been there. I'm sure it's a lovely place. All your listeners in Stockholm. Yeah. Um, I, but that idea of you begin to sympathize and empathize with your captors. Now, I'm not saying she was captive, but in terms of her ability to grow right. and to mature intellectually, she was very restricted. She talked about that, too. The elders came in and said, oh, we're going to change all this. We're going to lock right. this down and. You know, we're going to make a, the dress code suddenly more modest and these different things. And and and, and that, that that idea of she's grow she grew up like right. we, we all drive down the street all the time and we see the Westboro, quote unquote, camp. And it looks like a camp, like a compound. Right. It's got gates all around it. There's a gate yeah. at the front. You can't you can't even get in to drop off mail like it, no. it's just it's it's locked down. Right. And almost in a way, emotionally, intellectually, I would have to imagine she was raised kind of like that. Sheltered, Shel- sheltered, sheltered, not allowed to explore different ideological ideas, right? Um, and just kind of being—I don't want to say brainwashed. That's not the right term, but just being flooded with this ideology at all times, right? Well, she said that from her grandfather, right. from her mother, right? And she even said her father was the kind of calming influence because her 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 mother's side was so intense. That her father's side was the very gentle side that I think her words were he she that the family desperately needed. Right. Why don't you tell everybody, Matt, about the question you asked her when when and the answer she gave when she when when she was signing your book. Okay. So um you wanna say hi or anything? You just really quiet over there. You got anything to no, I'm just listening. Okay. <laughs> Okay, great. So um, we were we were very fortunate. We got out of the uh, there's 500 people, right? So it's a little bit of a kind of cluster to get out the door, and we were very fortunate to be uh, the first people in line just to kind of get over to the table. We had already purchased our books beforehand, and everything, and so we're up there, and um, she's visiting with people, and I think she during the thing she called out her brother, right. who I think was in the audience, and she pointed to him, and she said she sees cousins and other yeah. ex members that were there and such, right. and that's great. Um, but I was talking with you guys. I was talking with Sean, Adam. I think you were up trying to get a copy of the book before uh, we left um, and before we got him signed. And I looked at Sean and I said, do you think she ever misses it? Just the standpoint of, you know, something happens on the news and, you know, for 28 years of her life, she's not 56. So it's definitely more than half of her life. Right. She's probably what in her thirties, early thirties, at least early 30. I mean, she said she'd been out of the church for like seven years or so. So she's probably mid thirties at this point. Um, you know, she was, she's, I guess my point is she's been in a lot longer than she's been out. Right. 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 And so if you see something on the news, funeral for a soldier, funeral for a public official, John McCain, where you got the soldiers and the flag and the, does that make you miss it in any way? Mm -hmm. Right. Not necessarily the ideology, but are there things that happen to you that you see on the news or you see something happens in your life and you immediately as a knee jerk reaction, jump back to that old life. And um, I had asked her that question, the more condensed version, but I had asked her that, like, do you, you know, do you ever miss it? And she said, well, obviously I miss the camaraderie of my family because, mm-hmm. like, I would get some heat from my family if I said, hey, look, I'm a Yankees fan now. Right. 
and I hope you, you don't. I hope you don't clip <laughs> the phrase "I'm a Yankees fan now" and use it as audio blackmail for me in the future. <laughs> but I've now said it twice, so you've got the clip there. I'll make sure he does. Yeah, I figured you would. So, uh, the new text tone when Matt calls in, "I'm a Yankees, I'm a Yankees fan <laughs> now." Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys. Um, but you know the camaraderie and the family and all of that. But and she said she goes, "Yeah, I really do miss that." Um, but if I told my family that I was suddenly going to be a Yankees fan, yeah, I'd get some heat, but they wouldn't stop talking to me. Right. I wouldn't just suddenly like not have a family anymore. And with her, they were so interstitched. That's basically what happened. Right. And so that's what I talked about before. That's what I mentioned before where her family and her religion were so stitched together. And that would be a little bit for you too, Sean, not necessarily oh. um, not for your it's family, true. but just the idea of your dad is your boss. Right. And he's the leader of the church. Right. And so those lines blur over yes, time. It's very difficult. It's right? not easy. Yeah. So the idea that you're not going to remove yourself from that and that the family would not let you kind of surgically stitch yourself out where it's like, well, I don't want to go to church here anymore, but I'll still see you at the barbecue on Saturday. Right. <laughs> they would not be okay with that right. because they're just so because in a lot of ways so they're one of the same. Right. Right. They're all the same thing. They're one of the same. We're, you know, this is a this is a compound. This is an ideology. This is a family, and that's kind of the idea. So to rip yourself out of that, she puts herself on an island. She's completely isolated. Um, now, what I did not know, and we, I mentioned this a minute ago, too, was that her brother went first. Her brother left first. So she did have someone to talk to. And I think Eric, the moderator, mentioned that as part of his line of questioning. He did say, you know, if you left and your sister left, now there are more people that have left. So the community of people that know what you're going through is bigger, mm, which means right. that subsequent people that want to leave – now have someone they can go to. So it's not like you're leaving a community and going to an island. You're trading one community for another, and then the community knows what you're going through. So you would think that as each person leaves, the next person has an easier road out because more people have trudged that path. Right. doesn't make it easier emotionally, but just in terms of coping everything, it makes it a little bit easier. But um, So 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 she asked, so you asked her if she ever misses So it. I did ask her permission. She, she, she told me that she, she, goes, she goes, I miss the camaraderie of my family. I miss... I miss having a family, essentially, but I don't miss the ideology at all because and I think you would ask her like you sleep better at night and everything. She was it was just complete relief, mm. right? And and you we, you've talked about that before in various sermons and yes, that just just that idea of kind of overwhelming peace, which I can re- which I can relate with her. Kinda... I mean, I, when I, I pastor a senior pastor at a church for fifteen years, and as difficult as of a decision as it was. It was so much the right timing that it was it was a relief. You know, there was part of me that definitely missed the one-on-one ministry with people. Well, the partially preaching. the reason you're doing this show. The, yeah. That's precisely right. It's because you've right. missed ministering. Right, I missed this part. Fundamentally, but, you said that on previous episodes. Right, but I don't miss managing a church. I, I think here recently I had a friend even ask me, you know, because, you know, there's a potential of me possibly looking for another full-time job and, she and you know, this, this old friend says, "Hey, so are you looking to go into being a full time pastor? I think you'd be really good at it." And I'm like, "Yeah, that ship has sailed. I just I don't I don't see that happening again." And I, and I think there because now I've kind of felt what it feels like to to have that relief because I think a lot of people just forget that when you're in ministry specifically and unless for for all intents and purposes she was in ministry. Yeah, you, sure. She, I mean, yeah, to be clear, she ran the Twitter right. feed. So you carry yeah, the burden. Um, for the ministry, right? right. Her yeah. And the whole, their whole purpose and point is not to just rile people up, but to, in their mind, to truly 
basically preach people and you know into heaven and, and to scare them out of hell and so there is actually in their mind they love people more than anybody else loves people and so they're literally in their minds carrying the weight and the sin of the world on their shoulders it is their sole responsibility to preach the true gospel because every other church in america is not doing it and that to me just sounds so heavy and especially if she was supposed to be running the Twitter, you know, and the, the, the communication of the uh, horn of the church. I can only imagine just the, especially the amount of abuse that she gets. I mean, when, because my, you know, I'm the operations manager for my dad's ministry. And, you know, not especially Bible prophecy, not everybody agrees with some of the things that we teach. And I I get to handle a few. Well, yeah, and you're emails. not even antagonistic no. to, near, to no, 1% of what close. they are. And, and I, you still get a lot of We still get people disagreeing. And I got one earlier today that just kind of made me chuckle. And I think that. You know, and the way that she even says that she responded, like somebody says, I'm like, you know, oh, you're drinking the Kool-Aid? And she's like, actually, I prefer a cherry sunkist or whatever. Right, right. And they wink, you know, and I'm like, that's that's kind of how I respond right. to it sometimes. exactly so, how you respond. <laughs> so obviously you've had some experience with having a having a family and a religion yes. and a ministry stitched so close together. That, and I even told her that, that I, you know, w- without saying everything, I even told her that I can fully, I can relate a lot with what you're saying. Just because it is true, I think when you are when you have a family mis- stitched with a ministry, regardless of what the ministry teaches, that is a very 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 tough line to to, to toe because you have not only the responsibility and the the, the it's called what it is like you feel like this is a responsibility to you when you're a child. What's the one thing you want to do more than anything? You want to please your parents, right? And that really never goes away. I mean, I'm four years old and I still like to hear my dad say I'm doing a good job. Or my mom say, you know, hey, that was really awesome, you know, and I think that you never really get over that, and then when you attribute that to working in the ministry and to get the ultimate appreciation from God the Father, you know, that's just like it's one of those things that really it affects the mental, the spiritual, the emotional, and it absolutely is it would be I'm paramount, just difficult. I think, but that's what she says though, is I think that's why it was such a relief to her because now. It's not her problem anymore. It's not, she doesn't have to, you know, she said that she used to let everything affect her. Right. And she doesn't, it's not that way anymore. So I'd be curious to hear your take on this because you've, you went to, I don't know what I would call masters of seminary school. I was at ministry training. Ministry training facility for like three, four years, right? Three years. So when you're down there, I think it was in Phoenix, when you're down there, everything is jesus 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 like round the clock right you're doing ministries you're doing dramas you're doing church stuff you're setting up this you're doing that did you feel that same kind of family and camaraderie and then furthermore what was it like to leave because obviously you came back i mean we're gonna stay there forever right but talk a little bit about what that is as far as that 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 camaraderie that you probably had i'd imagine being around these people 24 7 and being jesus all the time I mean, most of the time, at least. Yeah. And then having to leave that, is there a little bit of that that you can kind of empathize with what she's going through? Yeah, I can. Um, it's Sean knows he's he's been down there. He was down there for a year. Uh, but it's the bond and the relationships that you create while you're there, especially as long as I was there, they get so strong, you don't want to leave. Well, these, I mean, these people are like your family at this point. Exactly. Because you you are from Topeka. Yes. You have now moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where right. you don't really know anybody that's not part of the program, I'd imagine. Right. 
and the living conditions, you're living, I don't remember the number of guys to an apartment. It was four when I was there. What was it when you four were there? I mean, it, was, it was four, but during the summer, we had an apartment, we had eight guys. You had eight guys in a two-bedroom or something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, aside from you just stepping all over each other, you obviously have to be nice to one another because you're that close all the time. Right. So you develop that bond. Yeah. What is it like to leave that bond? Or when somebody else leaves because Joe might go back after his year. You might have met with Joe for a year and then he leaves and you're still there. Yeah. So what is it like to have that happen both watching somebody else leave as well as you then leaving on your own? It's hard, especially if that person leaving was maybe your roommate that you were that you saw literally every day or maybe one became one of your closest friends and that you talked to about everything and and it's on the other side me leaving it was hard for me to make that choice to come back home because it was so it was such an incredible time for me creating those relationships creating basically that new family almost that I just want to stay down there. Did you actually think about staying? I mean, I know you stayed for a year, two years, three years. Was I, there, was there, I mean, I don't know what that looks like as far as I know it's a program and then you finish it and then you're right. done. But was there part of you that was like, yeah, I'm here now. There was part of me that wanted to move down to Arizona permanently and not come back. I guess I never asked you why you didn't. Masters might be its own episode between the well, two of I, yeah, you, with yeah. somebody else moderating and asking questions. But, yeah. um, but there, I mean, there's a lot of parallels here. You, there you, is. you go down there, you're on fire for the ministry. You essentially live the ministry because what else are you going to do? You don't know anybody else outside the ministry. So anything you do, you're going to do through that ministry lens. Even if you go to See, a movie or you go to a right. ball game or you go to the, you go to a yeah. Phoenix Suns game or whatever you're doing, you're going with people that you, that, are on fire for Jesus as much as you are. That's the thing. It's the whole point. So it's like essentially for, for, it is its own little Phelps right. family. Only you're not spreading that kind of doctrine. Right. And well, I think for better or for worse, anytime you're doing ministry with people, whether they be your family, whether they be strangers, whether they be friends, you're talking about working together for one common goal and one common bond with all of your heart. And I mean, how many places even do that? I mean, you go to even jobs and more corporations and businesses and they can't even mostly say that they're all together, you know, for in it for one common goal. Uh, but when you're working for ministry, especially in ministry training, when they're, especially as a young person, when you don't really have a lot of experience doing anything else, you know, and you go down there just to really give your all to God and then everybody else you realize is there for the same purpose, same reason, then you just naturally, that's your one thing that you hold you together and, and allows you to be friends. I mean, Adam's, Adam's very true that, I mean, I was there for one year and I, that was t- over 20 years ago. And I still talk with several of the people there. And I was there only for a year. I don't even talk to people I went to high school with anymore. But yet I still have a relationship and talk to people that I went to master's commission with. And again, that's because you know you create just a, a bond beyond just being friends. You're working for a common goal, especially when it comes to God. Uh, he's the one who you know formulates, the, brings the people together. I think that's the kind of thing that I wish the church would do more of. I think the church would do much better for ourselves 
if we could just find ways to to realize the things that we have more in common and the things that we have separate. And I think that, especially with, with, with Megan Phelps, the Roper, I think with this book, hopefully that might start showing that we all do have more in common, even though we have different opinions and different ways of doing things. Uh, at the end of the day, again, we're all still human. We all still have emotions. We still have love. We still have affections. We still have anger. We still have these things that bring us to a common union. And uh, we ought to be celebrating those differences rather than exploiting them or being angry at the other because of them. Right. What did you know about Megan before you went? Did anything? Because I know you mentioned that Adam or that Sean and I, we obviously probably follow that. Yeah. I don't want to say religion stuff, but that we kind of follow the political sphere a little more. So we would have been more familiar with the Supreme Court case. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of just more newsy in terms of being always talking about what's going on in this place or that place or whatever. You mentioned you should go, oh, yeah, tonight, hang out with the guys. So that's cool. What, what did you know about what you were getting into before you walked in? And then how did what Megan had read and then said subsequently encouraged you to pick up a copy of this book, which I think we're all probably going to just start reading immediately. Yeah, I think when you started, this is life book club. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what a book club does. Pick up, uh, pick up a copy of unfollow uh, borders books. There's an ebook. If you so, want to do the ebook. Yeah. So, and then tweet the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell us your thoughts. Tweet at Megan Phelps. That was her handle as well. Um, so Adam and I, or Sean and I kind of knew what we were getting into. Right. I mean, not, not fully. I didn't understand the, the magnitude of that. I mean, I kind of knew that she left and I'm thinking about, well, God, if you had to leave your family and your, you know, not only do you, everything you grew up knowing is wrong, essentially, or key parts of it are wrong enough for you to go, I got to get out of here. Um, and then to lose your family as well and to make that choice, that's all, you know, kind of what I had going in. And then obviously I knew that there was, there was, I, we learned more as we, as she began to speak and I was even more interested in reading the book, um, thinking, Oh yeah, we're going to go listen to a lady talk about a book with the guys. Where were you at at the beginning and where are you at now? Uh, at the beginning when Sean asked me, I'm like, who's that? I had no idea who she was. I mean, yeah, the name I, Phelps probably gave you a little bit of a Yeah, but a I had clue. to pull up some YouTube no. clips of her I, in the fast. Yeah, he, he pulled up really? a YouTube clip of uh, some somebody interviewing her right. while she and was And she was all like, because he even asked her, what, how are you going to teach your children, you know, the things you teach? And she goes, that's, that's supposing I'm even going to have get married and have children one yeah. day. Yeah, she, she had no intention of getting married or having kids. Right. So you generally knew nothing. I generally knew you had a not name and a, a clue. You had a name and a couple YouTube videos. Yeah. That Sean introduced it. you to, but before that, nothing. Nothing. So now that you've gone, you've met Megan, you've heard her story a little bit, you've got a copy of the book now. Yeah. Talk about where, what, what, what did she say or what aspects do you want to know more about? You touched on that a little bit earlier that made you go, oh, I got to get this book. Um, like, is it parallels to some of the things we talked about with you and masters and that idea of, man, it'd be really tough to leave your family. I wonder how she did that more curiosity uh, or is it more that you live in Topeka and this is a perspective on a group that is generally hated yeah. across the country. Maybe I think even in the forward, the BBC, make sure I don't get this wrong. Um, 
At the age of five, Megan Phelps Roper, this is on the uh, inside jacket. At the age of five, Megan Phelps Roper carried signs protesting homosexuality and other alleged vices alongside fellow members of the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas. As she grew, she watched the church, an enterprise consisting almost entirely of her immediate relatives, expand its activities. It became notorious for picketing soldiers' funerals and celebrating death and tragedy, causing the BBC to label the Phelps's, quote, the most hated family in America. I read that to ask if that if the fact that we all know about this family and we know about this church as outsiders, if the inside perspective is interesting, like had you not known and I said, Hey, there's a book about the inside goings on of Westboro. You want to read it? Would you have taken that book or would is it more because of Megan and her story specifically? Like, is it more uh, curiosity about her or the situation? Just, you heard her talk and you were like, oh, I'll buy a book. Like what, 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 what was it's, it? Uh, well, it's, a little bit of everything like being from Topeka knowing who they were and I haven't really had any inner interaction with them other than just seeing them from after walking out of church or just driving down the road um, that along with the similarities of her leaving and me leaving master's commission all that and then also along with her speaking tonight, kind of, kind of gave us a little insight of what the book is, right. and why she left, and what she was, what she did, and all that. So it just kind of piqued my interest more so after hearing her speak. Right. Is there anything that she said where you were like, okay, now I got to buy a book? Was there any one particular moment that you can pinpoint? There was one thing she said that I kind of was like, I, I was already interested, but then I was like, oh yeah, I'm super interested now but I'll uh, save it for a second. Not, do you have, do you have anything really. that she said about anything that she talked about that you were like, Oh man, I got a, everything memorable that you kind of hit really. you. It's no? just the, the whole aspect of it, of, of it being so close to home. Right. So the one thing she said that I thought was interesting, um, and Sean, I'm sure you have an interesting thing too, that probably struck you. Cause I heard you over, you were, you were sitting next to me and <laughs> you you did your ministry thing that you do <laughs> where and, and it's i don't ever sit next to you during a sermon because you're, you're the one giving said sermon right. so we don't you're standing and i'm sitting right um but you've done this a couple times when your dad speaks or whatever where something hits you and you go mm. <laughs> do, do, yeah, do that. right that's your that's your move <laughs> mm, yeah. you go you go mm, as in like mm, that's that's mentally delicious, right? That's I need to I need to chew on that right. for a moment. That's that that's good, or, or I need to discover that more. Right. The one thing she said for me that was interesting, and I I mean I knew this because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> it was mentally delicious. It was mentally delicious. <laughs> she. <laughs> that's gonna be the podcast name, by the way. You gotta get mentally you gotta delicious. get uh, you gotta get a mentally delicious shirt available at thislifepod.com. <laughs> Actually, that's re- I'm gonna do that. That's a the great name, shirt. The name of the episode is mentally delicious. Get uh, get you a mentally delicious shirt. <laughs> promote the show. Welcome to This Is Live, this is, where we are mentally delicious. We are delicious. mentally delicious. <laughs> anyway, carry but, on. But that idea of like, mm, that, that's that's profound. That's something I need to, that's that's something I need to think about more. Mentally delicious is probably going to be. That's a, that's the, that, <laughs> if you like the show, hashtag mentally delicious on Twitter. We'll get that yes. trending. Um, one thing she said that was very interesting to me, and I knew this, I just didn't think about it. I mean, obviously, I'm not dumb. I understood this. She said, there are probably people in my family that still go to Westboro that are going to read this. And like I kind of thought that, like I kind of know, like oh yeah, they get books too. Like they're in Kansas, you could just go down to the bookstore and buy one. Like I understand that, but what she said was she was interesting. She said, "So I wrote the book for the everyman, the average Joe, the outsider, quote unquote, 
she didn't use that. I'm appropriating. Um, I wrote it for the outsider to kind of give a taste of what it's like on the inside because you're not there. And a lot of the stuff is beautiful and not, you know, it's basically what everybody else believes and all these things. But you don't ever see that. You only see the negative things of, you know, quote, God hates fags, unquote. So one thing she said to me was interesting. She goes, so I wrote it in, I wrote it in registers. So I wrote it with little nuggets for people that are in the ministry still to help them understand more about why I left. Right. Because you probably never really got that opportunity. Yeah. You're leaving. We're done with you. No, that's, I know there's the other book I read. That's exactly how it went. Like, there is no, you're not going to, if you're leaving, you're done. You're that's done. It. You're not going to talk. You're not going to, there's no Bro, we're cutting you off the that's church. It. There's no talking with your sister, or your brother. There is, you're, you're leaving tonight. Goodbye. No, never come back. So she said, I think she, the word she used was breadcrumbs. Like I, I've put a few breadcrumbs in here and she mentioned having, um, I don't say fights, but she had passionate discussions with her, with her editors mm-hmm. about, look, I don't, uh, you, well, let's see, Megan, you could probably cut this. And she goes, but you don't understand if you're in it. Right. You, if you're in it, they need to see this. Right. They need to see this part. Right. The everyman probably not going to care, but for people that are in there, this is a breadcrumb for them. And I thought that was really interesting. The idea of that she's writing it not only as like, oh yeah, here's a perspective that I have that most people don't, which is interesting, and you probably want to buy it and read it. But also, I want to do it in a way that helps people mm-hmm. that were where I was right. get out. And not just in that there, particular group. That's right. not the thing about me. Group. Sure. Was that she said that, that she's had countless people from all sorts of different experiences, even a Jehovah's Witness, you know, who has getting had to get out of the get out of the church or the religion. I mean, I, it's not that hard just to. I, if for some reason I have this glutton for punishment thing, where I guess I just go and I just like to get angry at YouTube, so I go and watch like angry <laughs> preachers or street preachers or. You know, and you get all riled up, and then you go yeah. to the dentist to chill out. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, I, I go and I just, just I hear angry sermons. I mean, I don't know. I guess I just, I think, I think it's just, it's, I, it's just, I'm, I'm just intrigued by just how people can turn such a loving, kind God into such a vile, angry, right. forceful. Yeah, I've seen you get fired up watching street preachers. You'll yeah. call me in your office and go, watch, oh, yeah. Yeah, watch this. Why Why is he doing this? This makes no sense because of blank, yeah. blank, blank, blank. And I'm like, I'm not him. I know. I, I know. don't know it's what. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't know what I'm supposed it's to just, do. It's, it's just very sad to me because so. when I read the four Gospels and I see how Jesus walked and lived and taught, I don't I don't understand that. And, and, and I mean, I understand the judgment of God. And I understand the fierceness of God. But... I understand that all of those parts of God and more were in Jesus and who lives in us. And he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the, the judgment of God on the cross. And so therefore there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, that's a whole other podcast topic. But my point is that I, I, there's also, she mentioned how several, people have just come to her and said, Hey, I have had a similar experience with that. And I think that's one of the things that I'm most excited about this is that I'm hoping it's not only a free to the Phelps group of the Westwood Baptist church. I hope it's not only free to people who were affected because by them freeing. freeing, right. I hope it's not just, you know, a, a, a healing for those people, but I pray that in hope that this book will be a, a all across the board, man, like the chains will just be 
loosed and people will be able to be free from oppression. And right. the church is really, yeah. really good at oppression. And we're really, really good at it because we're so afraid of the world and so afraid of Satan that that we tend to like build like this dome over ourselves and over our churches and over our families. And we, you know, everything outside of, of, of what I'm teaching you is bad to stay away from it and all these things. When we're so good at talking about all the bad things of God that we never talk about the good things. We never well, that talk- seems a bit contradictory to go ye therefore into all the right. world and preach the gospel. Right. We should not be afraid of the like, world. Yeah. Like we, we put are- a big dome on us like the no. Simpsons movie where we all can't get out. Right. But then I also can't go minister to you because no. you're outside the bubble and right. I'm inside the bubble. Yeah. Right. We're supposed to be the city on a hill that cannot be hit. We're supposed to be right. the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be the ones that are lighting the world rather than being afraid of it. And if, if truly God is in us, who can be against us? If we say all these things and nothing, I'm persuaded that nothing, no life, no death, no praying, no, no things present, no things to come, all these things, nothing can separate me from the love of God. If we truly, really believe that, why are we so afraid of the world? Why are we so afraid of going out and ministering? And it's because we, unfortunately, like control and ministers and parents and all these things, you know, just the flesh gets involved and we find that, hey, we can be in control of people and we can control how they think and operate and, and move and do things. And it really is a sad set of affairs. And we can do all these things in the quote unquote name of Jesus. And that's what the Bible talks about. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. It's not just talking about cussing or saying OMG, but it's truly that's how you take the Lord's name in vain by doing and saying and and behaving in ways in the name of God that's completely contradictory to who he really is. Was there anything that she said during her talk? I know you were obviously excited already because you asked me to go, and then I, mm-hmm. I was already excited, excited too. Um, I wasn't planning on going. I was going to get the book, though. Was there anything that she said for you that you were like, okay, I'm super stoked about this now? I, I know I was before, but now having this other little nugget of information, I'm definitely going to tell Not necessarily apart. tonight because she didn't really talk, talk about it, but in an article I read earlier she did with the local paper, she mentioned how the, one of the last several chapters she talks about what quote unquote what really happened to her grandfather who was Fred Phelps who was the patriarch of this family which was a very secretive I mean he was he was in bad health right he was right. very old I don't remember what his age was but he was it was not a shock that he was passing away right. he was at the it was at that age where right. it was it was I won't say appropriate but it was time. right and. But the thing you, is, you never got anything out of no, the church the as far Baptist, as, nope, he, he he's passed away. Right. That's it. They went radio silent the whole time he was, from it was time he heard he's dying to the time he died until several months after. They Nothing. went radio silent on everything. Yeah. I still and, don't think anybody, I don't, I, personally, I don't know what happened aside from he nobody passed away. Nobody knows. And I think that's the thing is that a lot of people think that he may have turned around, that he may have repented. And he was even, there's rumors out there, and I'm, I'm interested to see what happens in the book. Well, I would rumors, imagine that as a granddaughter, she's right. probably there. There's rumors that he was ostracized and 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 kicked out as well. Because you mentioned, remember, see how she mentioned tonight how there was a time where the elders came in right. and changed everything. My guess is again, we'll find out. But my guess is when he was either sick or dying or. He unable to fulfill his right. duties as leader or, right. or started or saying things right. that might have been contradictory to what right. he'd been telling they, him for years. And they kicked yeah. him out and the elders time was in. near and, and that kind of thing. And they said, realize, no, 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 no. And they right. chopped the head off the monster and but the thing made is, a though, new head. Right. A lot of people don't understand that, that they see pastors and they think the pastor is the head of the church, but actually that's not true. In most churches, 
the head of the church is a board, is, is elders. Of which right? the pastor is a member. Is a, exactly. But it, even I don't care if a pastor started the church, they can get fired from the board at any time. And so, so that that's 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 probably what happened, is that the elders. I mean, not necessarily. I'm not saying with this case. I'll be curious saying. to learn. I'm going to cut you off. I'd be curious to learn if his he he his health begins to decline, and they say, okay, you can't really perform your duties anymore. Right. So we're going to need to step in, which is a logical thing right. if you were a pastor of a church and right. you were unable to perform your duties as pastor because of a health issue. Right. You would have somebody else step up. Right. Right. That's the idea. Or if it was he's under, and this is all this is all speculation so and right, rumor right. and innuendo. I have no way of knowing this until we read the book, and maybe it's in there, uh, and maybe Miss Megan knows, and she could tell us. I don't know. Um, if 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 it's hey, your health is declining, we need to step in here, or he maybe says hey, you guys need to step in here, my health is declining, or he starts to realize that, or that if he goes, I have made a terrible mistake, yep. right? My yeah. time is near. And we know that there's compassion there in him at some point right. because he was very anti-discrimination. Right. So we, I don't want to say we know there's goodness in him because, as Megan said, that, well, as Megan said a right. lot of this – well, yeah, but that paints Westboro as being evil, and I'm not trying to do that. Right. Um, I don't agree with all the things they say, just full disclosure. I don't agree with everything. I don't agree with most things, uh, at least the things that they're outward about. But they worship Jesus, and so do we, and so there's commonality there. Right. Um, but you know, is it, is it scenario one or is it scenario two where he begins to see that his time might be near begins to start turning and the machine mm -hmm. that he created Frankenstein and his monster, right? Dr. Frankenstein creates the monster. The monster is killing him in the end. Not that they murdered him. I'm not going to suggest such a thing. That would be ridiculous. But the idea that he begins to see what he's done. Oh my goodness. I've created this monster. But by then it's too late. Have you ever watched... Any footage of Fred Phelps? Uh, I, yeah. Like, well, I mean, what do you mean? Like, I mean, like, I've seen like, him on the picket like, line. I've seen newsreel footage. Like, like, well, he was, he was a, like a, like a Louis like a Thoreau, Thurman or a yeah. Well, Louis Thoreau, he's a famous British documentarian. He's quoted on the back of the book, right? He he was a, one of the very first ones to actually be invited and go to do a documentary on the Westboro Baptist Church. He did one. You probably find it on the YouTube called "The Most Hated Family in America." It's like it says in the back of the book. Yeah, and he it listens here as a documentary filmmaker for the BBC. Uh, his so uh, his interaction nice. with with the elder Fred Phelps, I mean, it, you know, it'll get it like you know, it'll make you like like it's scary, and just the persona that Fred would scary just, scary in what way? Like he would just the persona that in that Fred, I'm super powerful and yeah, I like run this intimidating just intimidating. And like, you know, like you got to make your if you're gonna talk to him, like you better have a point and make it quick and make it worth his while for you to listen to, or else he's gonna, you know, r rip you a new one. I mean, that's kind of the, and, so, and I think that for uh, there's almost like you know I don't know if it's a defense mechanism. I know that um, I think that Lauren Drain, who wrote the other book, Banished, about her experience with it. She talks about how he. Was always he was very secretive. What is her just really quickly? What is her relation to him? She, I know that Megan is his granddaughter. Lauren, what is, Lauren Drain is the daughter. Of, I don't remember her dad's name. He's an elder in the church though now. But he's, she's not related to Fred directly. She's a member of no, another family that his, was part of the. No, church. basically, from what I gathered, uh, her family moved from Florida to Topeka after the father, who was a. Uh, 
documentarian or he knew something. He he came up here, interviewed the church, realized that he then was a, you know, he agreed with a lot of things the church was saying. Brought the family. And then brought the family up there, and now... So she's not related to him directly, but she's related to him in the sphere of they're one of the they're elder one of the families, families. of the church. And obviously right. that's a small congregation anyway. Right. So, okay. All right. Yeah, she said that... That that Fred was actually very secretive. That he didn't really talk a lot to her, and that when he did, it was usually pretty gruff. Um, but at the same time, there was this what love do, and appreciation, you, mean, respect for. What do you mean, gruff? Uh, I think just just rough around the edges, just real hard to. But be is that more around. just because he's running an international ministry probably, and coordinating so much stuff? Right. And, that she's right. a kid. Like, yeah, you're a kid. I've got stuff to do. And also that he's old. You know, old people tend to be grumpier anyway. Well, I guess that's you true. Know. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, um, let's kind of close up. We've been talking a lot about an hour or so here. And I think the biggest thing that might let's just kind of talk about kind of our takeaways and what we are hoping to get from the book. Uh, me personally, again, I think it was something that I am glad I went to tonight. I, like you said, Matt, as we were leaving, you know, we, we got to go for free. As a yeah, we did a free event. book launch. I mean, we bought into buying uh, a book, so we paid right. for the book. For the but, book, but we would have paid for the book. Uh, we even anyway. got the book at a discount off the cover price, so I mean, That's you true. can't beat that. But I would have pay, paid for the event because I think it was something again that uh, you're not going to find this type of information just you know anywhere at any time. And, and I think it was uh, good for the community. And again, I hope that this is a healing, a beginning of the healing process. For so many countless people, we're talking about military families, you know, p- people who are homosexual, whom that was their primary target for so long, uh, other churches whom they they protested, uh, and and uh, just just people in general, you know, who who just have been hurt, you know, by the things that they're saying, and they, you know, unfortunately, they had a tendency to be very good at name calling and. Finding, yeah, you she know, mentioned that there were alliterative names that right. people would well, use. Well, like I yeah. remember, like one time, you know, like they were protesting a church just around the corner from here, and it was Sunday morning. I gathered a group of people, like, "Hey guys, is let's just go." Was I in this group? I don't know. I don't know if you were or not. I said, "Let's just go down." I feel like to, I remember this to the church. It was it was just around the corner. I was. Were you and in this group? I said, "Guys, let's just go and stand across the street and just pray." They can be there protesting. They can be holding their signs. They can be singing their songs. They can be yelling whatever they want. We're just going to go down there and just across the street. We're not going to say anything to them. We're just going to pray that God will, you know, reveal himself to them and that people will, you know, not, you know, not, not hear the, the hate that comes out of their mouth about God, but they'll talk. Just, just be a presence. Love. Right. Just be a presence. While we were there, they were literally yelling, basically, you know, picking out people like their insecurities like i i'm obviously a bigger guy right so they were like hey fat so blah 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 blah. they were just you know or you know they were just basically picking out things that were just being antagonists right and you know and it's like i you know you had to just kind of turn all that off and you know it's like there's just such a greater duty and a greater responsibility to show love and kindness to even people who are hurting them. Well, when you saw that, you saw that kind of idea, right? Not necessarily from a religious standpoint, but you saw that when they picketed some of the military funerals, right? Especially after the Supreme Court case came down, there were a bunch of people that said, "Hey, we got wind that the Phelps Group or Westboro is going to picket so and so's funeral," and hundreds of people would show up, and they would stand in a human wall, almost Red Rover style, right? right? So that the grieving family of the soldier would not have to look at have to see. the right. protesters because there'd be a big blockade of a crowd in front of them right. to insulate them from that. Right. 
and you know that's that's insanely cool. Just yeah. the idea that you know people that the okay, soldier well, didn't even maybe, know uh, let me ask come this, together man. and say, hey, you know, we kind of agree that this this behavior is not okay. Whether or not the message is that's a different thing, free speech, we get all that. They're going to go over here on this side of the street where we have to, you know, they have to be on the sidewalk on this side of the street. We're going to go stand on the other side of the street closer to the family and closer to the grieving family and just be there. Well, let me ask you, do you guys think then that in a way they have their place in society? Because, yes, they maybe they were there to do for themselves to and, and in their their mind for the duty of God to preach you know, that God hates you and all you're going to hell and all this other stuff. But the reaction to that generally in most cases that I've seen is just like we said, people coming together in, regard, in, in response, in, in, in a response and in, in, a, in a union of showing love and respect and appreciation and solidarity. And those families may have never had that before. Well, I've talked to you about this before, obviously, and you know, the scripture, cause you're just going to have it like you always do. Um, God takes things that are evil and turns them for good. I don't want to say that they're evil, but that idea of, you know, the right. Lord can turn anything that's supposed to be not good into something that's great. Right. Yeah. 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 You're talking about the, uh, for, for all things work together for good to those who love God. There you go. Called yeah. According to his purpose. Yeah. Right. Just that idea of, you know, what the devil, right. whoever in designs for evil, the Lord can spin into good. Well, there's no question. Yeah. Right. So that idea of, if the Phelps group, and I keep calling them that, if Westboro wasn't there, these 400 people wouldn't have shown up. Mm -hmm. uh, they just wouldn't have. They'd have no reason to. So it, it's it's the same idea, Like, and I've said this to you before, that, and this is a bit of a twisted theory. This is probably another episode. I don't want to say too much inflammatory stuff here. But I've always thought that Judas was one of the most loved disciples of Christ. And people are going to go, what? That's insane, because he right. turned on Jesus. But I almost want to take it from the perspective of Jesus trusted him enough to ask him. Right. We don't know that. To ask him to turn on him, knowing full well that he was loyal enough to do it. Right. Because if Judas doesn't turn on him, he's never crucified. No, that's true. He never dies for our sins. All that stuff has to happen because of Judas selling him out. So you know, he knows that's got to happen. He's Jesus. He understands that, you know, somebody, one of you will betray me. He knows. So now if you do it on your own, okay, one thing. But the idea that, hey, listen, I, Jesus, I'll do anything you ask me to do. Okay, I, I hope that's true because <laughs> I need you to go turn me in. Right, right. Wait, what? what? Why would you do that? I need you to do it because you love me the most. Mm. And if you do it, I can save everyone. Mm. It's going to cost you. But everybody else is going to be saved because of your action. Do you think that that? And that's might, probably another episode. I'm getting yeah. really deep there, kind of a deep cut, no, deep that's track. A, that's a really that's a deep track. But that idea right. of if the thing that brings all the kids together in school is sometimes hating the lunch lady, mm -hmm. right? And if the bad thing doesn't happen, then people can't unite in response. Right. And so that idea of look, I need you to betray me, such that all of these other good things can happen. But they don't happen until someone does this bad thing, and I need that person to be you, right. Judas. In this context. Well, the greatest thing about Judas is... Is it possible that God has chosen Westboro? Hey, I need you to be antagonists. Well, uh, yeah. you know, I need you to be antagonists such that I can bring people together in response to you. I need you to be the bad guy. 
it's a tough burden to bear. I'm not saying that they do it in that manner, but I'm just saying, is it possible that God's got a deeper thing going on here that we don't understand? Yes. That's look, I need you to be the bad guy so that I can unite all these people in response to you. Well, yes, I believe that we are literally, we all have a part to play and we all have, like I've said before, all of us, all we're doing is filling in the invisible ink that's already been written for us by God. The, you know, God does not live in our time frame. Nothing that we do say or is, is a surprise to him. You know, people have to understand that, that in, in heaven, there is no such thing as time. Time just is. And, and so therefore, with the, the life that we're living now has already been given to us. And you're absolutely right, Matt. That's the whole thing is that every single aspect of life has a, 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 a cause and an effect. And at the end of the day, Jesus will win. And what that's just that's just the that's just what we're all marching towards. All right, so that, that was my final thought. Do you have any final? Yeah, Adam? I kept going, and you kept trying to get in there. Do you have anything that? What do you want to get out of the book? I think we're all going to read it. We'll probably recap afterwards, I'd imagine. But what do you want to get out of the book? Because we really have three different perspectives here. We have Sean that you're you've been in ministry, you've seen this, you maybe even met Fred once. I don't recall if you did or not. No, actually, I never never did. I saw him on the street corner once. That was it. Okay. Well, I mean, you're a minister. You're mm -hmm. in the same town. Right. You obviously went to minister meetings with right. other ministers in the right. area. I'm sure that came up. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. So you're definitely kind of way more in to the story and the whole thing than I am. I'm kind of middle of the road where I know enough about it from a news perspective and that they had a Supreme Court case and all of that. And then, Adam, you kind of came in not knowing anything, knowing very little. Yeah. So we kind of have three different takes on that. Obviously, I said my piece and Sean said his. What do you want to get out of this book? that maybe we haven't already said, or what are you looking for, given that you kind of don't really know a whole lot about this? Uh, I'm just, I want to see what their actual beliefs are. Because I really don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, aside from what you see on the picket sign. Yeah, because what, what, that, that's, that's all anybody ever knows unless they research it. And I haven't done that, obviously. But uh, I just want to, I want to know what their actual beliefs are and why they believe what they do. Yeah. Well, I imagine that's probably the first half of the book. Yeah. We believe this. Right. Here's where we believe this. It was well, very simplified. That, and then, and yeah. then I started talking to people online and people doing Twitter right. stuff. And then I started realizing there were some holes in that. And then I kind of kept going a little deeper. Right. And then well, I realized, oh, my goodness, I got to get out of here. And then right. I get out of there. But she made that comment. She goes, yeah, I kind of joke with my friends that – I feel like I've spent my entire life explaining what I believe and why I believe it. Right. And I was oddly enough, when she was in the church, that's a role. Right. And now that she's left, she's still doing that. She's, yeah. I mean, she's still got to do she's that. She's still doing it just to let everybody else know. Right. That so wants I, to know. I did believe this before, and I had to explain it and justify it being the Twitter representative or liaison or what have you, being that voice. I had to do it. And then now that I'm out. People are asking me, well, what happened? What do you believe now? <laughs> I still got to tell them what I believe and why I believe yeah. it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I, again, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, discussion. Buy the book. Buy the book. Yeah. You, you go Amazon. find a way to get it. Borders and maybe, Books, uh, Noble. Yeah, e maybe an Audible. I think it's going to be a, it's an audio file if you have one, if you would rather listen to it. I saw an ebook on Amazon. There's a paperback. Uh, we bought the hardcovers. Yeah, I think you can even go um, on Amazon on a, a, a get digital on, version for get like on your Kindle for thirteen bucks iTunes, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, go pick it up. Anyway, it's easy to find. Um, it's on the homepage for Amazon right now. So yeah. if you're gonna get it, go, it's go called pick it up. Unfollow by Megan M E G A N Phelps Roper. 
a Megan Phelps Roper called Unfollow. Go check it out. Uh, while you're online buying this book, watch it on over to thisislifepod.com. You can catch up with all of our latest podcasts if you've missed any. You can buy the new T-shirt that you're going to. Mentally Delicious. That's the Mentally Delicious T-shirt. I'm actually very excited. <laughs> if you uh, make me one, I'll wear it. I'll buy one. <laughs> so, I'd uh, said it. I'll buy it. And... Uh, Make sure you also go to, if you have any commentary, any questions about the show, hit me up. This is lifepod at gmail.com. Uh, again, I'm still, uh, I'm out there. I'm searching and wishing and hoping and praying for some more reviews on our, I, excuse me, good grief that Dr. Pepper had earlier. I'm really excited about and fishing for some I, uh, iTunes reviews. Uh, so if you uh, are a fan of the show or even if you're not a fan, I'll even take those at this point. I don't care. Just, just, it's fine to just go on there and uh, find, just go to the go to the page of the iTunes uh, podcast. Scroll all the way down to the very, very, very bottom, past all the broadcasts, and you'll see uh, where you can leave a star review and write a review as well. Before you close, can I say one thing about that? Please, yeah. Um, and I know this because I talk to you about the show all the time and been on the show a couple times. It's, it's weird to sit in a room and talk into a bunch of microphones for an hour. Mm-hmm. Like very. it's different. It very. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very odd thing to do, right? It's not natural, and I think you do a good job of keeping a natural conversation, and you know, we just kind of talk like we'd be talking without microphones at a restaurant or what have you. Right. But when you ministered, you saw the people you were ministering to, mm-hmm. and you got reactions such as, amen, hallelujah, preach, or, or even just smiles and nods and right. affirmation. Not, mm, you don't get any of that. Like that was mentally delicious. That was mentally delicious. <laughs> mentally delicious. I gotta go buy mentallydelicious.com before somebody <laughs> snatches that up. Um, the, <laughs> I start my own spinoff podcast. So uh, you you get that immediate reaction when you're ministering right. to people because they're in the room with you, and you see their thoughts, and you see their... Um, you, you see the wheels turning, you see their emotions and their faces and their eyes and all these things. You don't get any of that no. off of a podcast. I mean, you do from people in the room, obviously, but for the listener, you don't get any of that. And so I think that's another reason why those reviews are so important because you have no idea if you're doing a good job, if you're doing a bad job, what you need to improve on, what's working really well. Right. You don't have any idea because you don't get that. No response. Yeah, you're right. So aside from, you know, obviously iTunes does metrics and Apple podcast does the metrics and says, Hey, we based on this number of reviews. We think that so-and-so would like this because it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> it does all that stuff with the math and the algorithm based on the ratings. But even more importantly than that, you get feedback to make the show better. Right. And, that, and that's exactly what I want. Like I, I want this to, that's continue important to grow, thing. to be better, to be more engaging, to more entertaining, you know, to, Maybe to be inspirational. You just to... need people to give you a digital amen. Right. Yes. Give me a digital amen. Right. Digital is amen. A five stars. <laughs> digital amen. Leave a comment. Amen. That, that's exactly right. All right, guys. Have a wonderful afternoon, evening, morning, night, wherever and however you're listening to the show. Until next time, God bless you guys. Aloha and mahalo. Mahalo.